Welcome back to episode number 129 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are playing part two of the presentation by Jason Kerbeck of CV Technologies at the 2021 Dust Safety Conference. That presentation was on NFPA 660, upcoming NFPA changes and what they mean for combustible dust safety. So in last week's episode, we played the first half of the presentation where Jason covered the history of NFPA 652 and leading into 660, the different types of committees and NFPA standards that there are, and why and how this is feeding into the necessity of creating NFPA 660, which will be a common standard to include all of the information and the other industry-specific and general standards that are available through NFPA. In the second half of the keynote, Jason covers how NFPA 660 is being developed, the difference between standards and codes, the proposed structure for NFPA 660, and how the committee is going to be dealing with conflicts between the different standard and engineering guidance documents. We'll also go through the Q&A from the presentation, which had a lot of interesting questions around how this is going to apply for end users and what this means for folks in industry handling combustible dust. As I mentioned at the outset, this replay is part of the 2021 Dust Safety Conference. If you didn't get a ticket for the conference to view this presentation, and the other presentations at the event, we have them all in the training library at Dust Safety Academy Premium Membership. So if you go to dustsafetyacademy.com, there's a, a great free membership thing you sign up for there. We release resources and videos and community forms and help desk all around combustible dust safety that are available every week, um, anytime. We also have training and courses that are available for premium members at Dust Safety Academy as well. So you can check that out again at dustsafetyacademy.com. So without further ado, we're going to jump into the second half of Jason's presentation from the second day of the Dust Safety Conference. So that has led to the birth of a new NFPA code and not a standard of code is what we're, we're thinking it's going to be. And it's uh, you know, taking the interim name of NFPA 660. Okay, so a special task group was formed amongst the different combustible dust committees. Uh, the NFPA Standards Council pushed down the edict and said, hey, we need to get these into one, one standard or code. We have a time frame, three to five years. Once we have that, we think we can improve combustible dust safety greatly, which again, is the goal of all these committees. And so that process has started and it started really last year in, in 2020. And like I mentioned, uh, it's a working title, but uh, in our, all of our creative wisdom, we stuck with combustible dust code uh, amongst the committees as the consensus right now. Uh, so NFPA 660 combustible dust code uh, is the, the interim title that's being referred to. Now I mentioned code versus standard and kind of there's a perception sometimes that maybe codes aren't, uh, you know, aren't mandatory language and standards are that can be the case in, in the way some regulation documents are written, but really the way NFPA works on it as a code and a standard are kind of the same thing. The difference is a code is kind of more robust. It's really if you merged a bunch of standards together, which is what we're doing, and maybe not as specific. And in this case, 660 is going to be pretty specific in certain areas, and in other areas, it's going to be pretty general and fundamental. But that's kind of the distinction and breakdown NFPA makes between standards and codes. And that's why you see 660 being referred to as a code. Don't think that it's changed in any way of what type of language necessarily might be in it. Uh, it's going to be the same as the past standards. Now, the proposed structure of NFPA 660 is, as you see on the screen here, 
And we're going to have chapters one through 10 that are going to be fundamental requirements. So not too dissimilar from what you saw in that chapter structure I showed you earlier, uh, you know, chapter five being, being uh, hazard identification, et cetera. The additional chapter 10, which will be dedicated to fire protection. Now, the trick is that those chapters are going to be covered by the NFPA 652 Technical Committee. Their task will be to manage those chapters and make sure the content handle public comments, handle revisions on those chapters. And then chapters 11 through 16 are going to address the commodity or industry specific standards. So chapter 11 will be a chapter that covers everything specific to the food and agriculture industry that wouldn't be considered fundamental, wouldn't be in those chapters one through nine, or maybe differ from what's in there for a specific reason. So that committee still would be tasked with developing the, the uh, language in chapter 11. So, and you can see the, all the other different uh, industry and commodity specific standards have their own chapter. So that's the process we are going through right now on these NFPA technical committees is we're reviewing in 652 and saying from a commodity standpoint, what we think is fundamental and what's not. And, you know, as that process goes on, as you can imagine, there might be some differences of opinions between these technical committees and what's fundamental to them and what's not fundamental to others. And so eventually there'll be some common language that comes out of there and becomes the formation of what will stay in chapters one through 10. And then what isn't considered fundamental will be broken out and will be a little bit more specific geared towards those industries in their respective chapters. And that's the proposed structure, the proposed process we're working through right now from an NFPA standpoint. So the knowledge of each technical committee isn't lost, okay? It's remained intact and it's gonna be left with their individual specific chapter to address what might be unique to that industry. And that can cover a lot of different things. As you can imagine, you know, uh, there might be different requirements for fire protection for a metal dust collector than a food dust collector from a plastics dust collector, right? If you're in the food industry, you have to worry about things like sanitation, and, you know, mold, bacteria, those, those are, you know, that's priority one in those facilities from a safety standpoint, food safety, as it should be. And if you're in a plastics process or operation or facility, you know, you can pour water on stuff sometimes and it doesn't really matter, right? And if you're in a metals facility, you can't pour water because you're going to have a real bad reaction if you do. So, there's some stuff there you can see the common theme of fire protection and the dust collector might be fundamental, but you know it's going to be really different in those specific standards or chapters that are covered by those commodity groups about what should be covered and how it should be addressed for our industry, right? And the Coraline Committee's function, again, the Coraline Committee doesn't have a standard that they cover. Their job is to review uh, the content developed by the other standards uh, and other technical committees and to make sure there's consistency amongst them. And they will continue that process as they are tasked really with forming this initial draft of 660. So again, the conflict section, that structure that exists right now between the fundamental standard 652 and the industry and commodity specific standard probably isn't gonna change that much. And, you know, there's paragraphs in chapter one that cover exactly how this works. I've kind of pared it down to something I use when I'm trying to describe it to people. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward 
summary when you think about it, right? If you have a conflict between the fundamentals and the industry specific, uh, you kind of have the option to choose which one you want to follow. If your industry prohibits something, you follow the industry or commodity specific one. If it's not addressed in your industry or commodity specific standard, you follow what's in the fundamental standard. That's the way it works now. And it's probably not going to differ that much as these get merged together. The difference is you're probably going to see less conflicts because hopefully some of them get cleared up and as fundamental stuff's pulled out and, you know, industry specific stuff is left in the chapters that cover that specific industry. So hopefully there'll be less conflicts in this new standard, but probably still a structure where you see, you know, how you refer to it as maybe a pro, uh, something that's prohibited or something that's uh, maybe an alternative to something that's in a fundamental section. So with that, the work has, has really begun. And as I mentioned, we're in the process, uh, depending on which industry commodity specific your standard are, you've either finished that process or you're still, still ongoing. Uh, it takes some of us longer than others of pulling together what we think is fundamental and what's not. And you know, once we do that, we're kicking it back to the Coraline Committee and a draft document is gonna start to take shape uh, that will be the NFPA 660 code. Now you might be asking yourself, well, I operate an industrial facility. How do, do I get some input on this? Well, don't worry, you will get some input on this. As the technical committees start to push together what's gonna be uh, in their chapters, what's gonna be in the fundamentals chapters in 660 takes form, a draft of it will be produced. That draft will be a little bit revised between those committees. And eventually a final draft is gonna go into the NFPA standards development process. And this is the normal process any NFPA standard would go through. And you know we're expecting that hopefully by 2022, this, this code is gonna go into that process. And that process really has you know, four stages. The first stage is a public input stage. The public input stage is where the, the draft will get posted. There'll be a period of time for public inputs to be, to be issued on the standard, comments, revisions, changes, deletions, additions even, of what you think should be in or not in that first draft. And anyone in the public can submit a comment on that standard. That then will get kicked back to the NFPA technical committee. We review that input and we make revisions or comments as voted on throughout the committee. And a first draft report is made. That first draft report, and uh, you know, I'll call it an interim draft now of the standard, or you know, we call it the first draft, is then sent out again for a public comment stage. Okay, and that public comment stage, again, is open for a period of time for people to comment on those changes made in the uh, essentially interim draft that's out there now or the first draft. And then a second draft is formed based on the review of those public comments and any changes the committee votes on. That second draft then uh, is kind of the final form of the standard or code that takes place and is then pushed to the NFPA technical meeting, which is kind of the third stage we see here on the slide. And that leads to any, what we refer to as NITMAMs or a notice of intent to make a motion that's basically if you have an issue with what's happened in this final draft or a, an issue with a piece of content in it, you can then submit it to the NFPA technical committee. Uh, they will review those and then vote on it. And eventually that vote carries the document to the last stage, which is um, where the standards can be issued or code gets gonna be issued. And that means that standard or code then gets passed to the NFPA standards council. They meet, review any of the appeals, and then decide whether to actually issue the code or the standard based on that vote and any of the appeals or 
uh, and the bins that were submitted. So that's kind of the process you see once a draft of 660 is made, it will go into the official standards development process. So you will have the ability to see what that draft looks like, comment on that draft, uh, make changes, bring anything you think might be a gap or an error or an addition that needs to be brought to the attention of the technical committees at that stage um, and carry it through the normal process you would see any other NFPA standard of code. Timeline-wise, this is kind of what the initial timeline was anticipated. And the caveat I'm going to put on this slide is this is a moving target for us as we're on these technical committees. As I mentioned, the process is going well for some, not well for others, and there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, these standards aren't small, if you've ever picked one up, and merging them together and finding what's common is no small task, right? So the initial anticipated timeline was to have the initial draft uh, completed in 2021. We had August. I'm not sure August is still the, the deadline if, if we took an honest poll right now, uh, but hopefully by the end of 2021, uh, a draft, initial draft will be released to go into the formal standards process. And that would start in 2022. And that's that public comment, public input kind of process that begins. And then in 2023, that final version will be finalized, issued for release, gets into the standard council in 2024, uh, we would have a new code that covers combustible dust here for North America. And if approved, the idea is basically it's going to replace these existing standards, right? And so the typical revision cycle for combustible standards right now is three years. Uh, it used to be anywhere from three to five. We've kind of pared it down from the quarterly committee down to three years to make sure everyone is on the same revision cycle. And that revision process has pretty much been put on hold with the exception of one standard, which is NFPA 44, which was uh, really mid-cycle and we'll have a, a 2021 release, I think as a 2022 standard. But basically these standards are going to be merged into one. They're gonna go uh, out of existence and you're gonna be using the NFPA 660 code uh, you know, once that it drops. And so until then, you're using the process that we have in place now, 652, you're in a commodity specific standard. Uh, with the current release it's on now, with the exception of 44, as it comes up on a, a potential revision. And that's kind of the process of what 660 is, how it's being shaped. And like I said, it's kind of an ever moving target. I really encourage you guys to uh, go to NFPA's website. You know, there's not a, a ton of information there on this process now other than some of the comment stuff you can make on the individual technical committee standards. You will see that as that standard or code gets released into its draft, you're going to find the public comment section and public input stages are going to be done through that website. And that's how you get to them. I'd also really encourage you to go to our website, CV Technology, and we have a, a, a NFPA page we kind of cover the timeline. We try to keep it up to date with what's going on so you can get the latest and greatest information. And we have some fun things like some quizzes for you to brush up on your NFPA knowledge and, and the ability to win some, some prizes if you fill out those quizzes and, and you do well on them. I think right now we're giving away a Yeti cooler for those of you who are, uh, who are looking to keep things cold. So again, some resources and again, CSB website, OSHA's Compostable Dust page. Again, other areas we can get some more information and obviously our host here is a wealth of information for you to get some, some details on combustible dust. Uh, but that's the presentation I had for you guys today. And so Chris, I'll kind of turn it back to you and 
and see if you have any questions about 660 and the process that's going on. Yeah, thank you, Jason, for a really great presentation. A lot of this information would likely be new to folks. I mean, we have a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, people that are heavily involved in combustible dust safety and explosion protection. So those people may be even beyond the committees and may have a good understanding, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are seeing this for the first time or even, even explained so succinctly for the first time. So I do appreciate you doing that. Just walking through the history, where we're at today and where we're headed. Definitely check out cvtechnology.com slash NFPA in order to, uh, to enter your chance to win your Yeti cooler. That's my commercial. <laughs> and we'll certainly be keeping people up to date as the standards and regulations come out as the public comments come out. I, I, I hesitate to say this, but it'd be even great if, if Jason could give a keynote on the final draft uh, next year in March, but we'll see if the timelines match up for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we'll keep people in the loop. And, and if you ever have a question, Jason's a wealth of knowledge on this. His contact information is there and you can certainly post inside the Dust Safety Academy or, e or email me and I'll, um, I'll let you know what it is that I know um, at, at the time that I do know it. We do have a number of questions. Um, we have about 15 minutes for Q&A, so make sure you put your questions in. And I'll just kind of go from bottom to top as I see them here. Uh, one that I one that I didn't see and somebody brought up here in your outline is how are the how-to standards going to be incorporated into 660, the 6869 and, and 499? Yeah, great question. So they are not going to be incorporated. Those are going to still be uh, standalone standards um, and really because some of those even extend past just combustible dust. If you look at NFPA 68, there's things for explosion venting, combustible gas and vapors in that standard as well. And some of that's being uh, broken out in NFPA 67 as well. But those standards are still going to be standalone and handled by their own technical committees. They are separate technical committees in some of the, uh, the industry standard and commodity ones. And so they will still be independent um, and obviously referred to uh, in the 660 code for where you go to still how to do things. So really no change in that front. Perfect. I see some, some CV technologies that are ribbing you about the, about the bears. So uh, I won't go through that one. We'll save the time. Oh, for come on guys. <laughs> um, so we have a question here um, from an individual. My plant makes food grade chemicals such as glycerin. Um, any, any advice for how he would know, which NFPA standards to comply with today. And he's a good example, I think, because, well, I'll, I'll let you answer, but maybe he falls in this, this strange region of food and, and chemicals. So that was the question. He makes great food grade chemicals like glycerin. Is there a good indication yeah. of what NFPA standards he, he should be complying with? Yeah, that, that's a great example of kind of where, where there's a gap. So, I mean, you're going to start in 652 because that's going to give you the fundamentals and basics. And it, it will really give you um, enough knowledge in 652 to make sure your process is safe. The trick is on the in 61, you're going to find a wealth of knowledge about things that would include, hey, why we do things to with food safety in mind, right? Or how do we address specific uh, areas? And and really in 61, the emphasis is more on things that are like starch handling, grain handling, uh, really because that's where that standard started. And so there's some really specific information that's great for those industries there, but you would find some pretty big gaps for what you're doing in that standard sometimes. And I would tell you to really look at 654. I kind of view 654 as a catch-all for any industry. I think if you followed 654, with the exception of metals, you're probably going to be pretty safe. And I would tell you to look at that with the uh, 
with the eye looking ahead that, you know, the, the food safety aspect of it might not be covered in there to the extent you need it. But I would tell you really to use these 652, 654, and you're, you're going to have to also look at 61 in some cases. Okay. But, thank you. For uh, that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's just a great example of, you know, how you're, you're going to have to look at really three standards to look at your process and understand what's safe. And the reality is you go to 652, you're going to be doing a dust hazard analysis in the process. And if you uh, either know how to do the DHA in-house or you're using a third-party consultant, they're going to help guide you to making sure you're using the right standards, right section of the standards as well. Yeah, it makes a, makes a lot of sense to me. There's a question on PPE and if uh, flame-resistant garments will be included in Chapter 10 or any indication on, on if we'll have expanded treatment of that in the new standards? Ooh, good question. There has not been clear indication of where it will be yet. We're still a little bit early in the process to do that. Um, I don't think we've had any technical committee say that PPE is not considered to be fundamental. So I would imagine it will be in that front part of the standard. The difference might be uh, you probably are going to see some pretty extensive stuff for PPE in some of the industry and commodity specific chapters. As we're going through emerging this, there's been some discussions about, you know, Maybe some PPE is not appropriate in certain industrial facilities, and you have to use an alternative. And do we clearly note that? Or are people just figuring that out on their own? And so you're going to see some more information, I would imagine, in 660 about PPE, but I don't know. I can't tell you clearly where it's going to be, but I would imagine in, in the front chapters for sure there'll be a section. Okay, thank you for that. And the individual, uh, Derek, did make a comment that that is the last line of defense and hierarchy of safety, but sometimes it's the the only option that they have left when they're when they're looking at fires and explosions. Mm -hmm. Will NFPA 68 and 69 be affected? Are they going to be included in new codes? We covered that already, that uh, that those are the how-to standards are still going to be standalone, or at least that's the plan of today. And, and I guess right. that's a good point to say in here. Jason only knows where things are at today, so he may not be able to give you the, the page number on some of these things, um, but uh, he can give you the information that he has. In 61, there's the DHA checklist in Annex F. Uh, Joshua asked if you thought there might be something similar for each industry in 660 or how. I guess, so answer that specifically, and then maybe even the annexes. I'd be interested how that's going to be handled across all the chapters. Are we going to have one monolithic annex? That, uh, oh, man. One, I don't want to bring up the number of pages, so I won't say that. But you know, the, yeah, the DHA I checklist is a good thing. And then let's talk about annexes a bit. Sure. I mentioned the annex being so critical when you go through these standards and it's the, as we're merging them, it's the one part we've neglected to date. It will be a huge effort merging the annexes together. And that will probably be the last thing done as we figure out uh, what's going to be in the body of the standards and the annex will carry over. And I'm sure there'll be some overlap and some merging of annex sections. Uh, in reference to the DHA requirement, you know, there is some really good information in 652. There's an example DHA process done in the annex. And in 61, there's a checklist. The checklist is a great place to start, uh, but I always caution people from using a checklist in that you're only checking what's in the checklist, right? And so philosophically, depending on what your process looks like, the checklist might not be enough. And the reality is for the food industry, there's a lot of facilities where that checklist is going to work great. Uh, but there's other facilities, you know, we just had a question about one, which standard do I follow? If you followed that checklist in your in your uh, your facility, basically, which is a chemical process, it is not going to be extensive enough for what you need to do. And so 
I'm sure that checklist will still make its way into, and I probably, I would hope we would see some iterations of some additional or expansive checklists, even for other industries in the annexes. I think it's a, a great way to start. I, I think as some uh, wood products facilities, that could be a great benefit if they had a, a, a basic checklist, but we don't want people to fall back on using that alone. You have to look at your process and understand if your facility and your operation can fall safely under that checklist requirement. And if it is, then you use that use that document. But I wouldn't expect we would lose that as a data point in the annex. And I think you'd only see additional information about doing dust hazard analysis in, in the annexes. Yeah, and I mean, there were some presentations on this in the fundamentals track that we released last week. Um, the the presentations are there. There's some discussion yesterday. I might, I mean, I, I would probably add that the, the hard thing about checklists is that you, you need to know all the other information to know when they don't apply. So it's all, if all you have is just a checklist and you don't understand the other 50 pages of annex material, then you're, you're probably not qualified to make the decision whether or not you can use a checklist, if that, if that makes sense. Um, so, the, and this ties into qualified person. And, and so if you're asking those questions around you know, not understanding all the materials in the standards, then you, you probably at that point need to either bring somebody in or at least somebody audit your DHA. Um, and we talked a lot about that yesterday with some different presenters, but you need to get that knowledge somehow so you know what you're missing, what's been excluded, what can be excluded and make some engineering judgment on that. Um, so I, I do want to put an asterisk beside Jason's comments there that just taking the, the checklist out um, is, is great if you know, <laughs> if you're knowledgeable enough to know when the checklist doesn't work. But if you if you are knowledgeable though, and the checklist doesn't work, then it can be a great tool in certain certain circumstances. So it's a uh, there's a lot of engineering judgment that's needed there. We had a comment from Diane. I think Diane emailed us as well earlier in the week. Um, we are going to get back to you if we didn't already, Diane. Try to get some of this information. But she has a multi multi point question here, um, and some of it I might be able to tackle. So one is around cost of the NFPA um, standards and them not being free, um, not having one place that's like a, a spreadsheet or something that says here are all the standards that need to follow, including OSHA and NFPA. I think those are the only two questions. It was a long, it's a longer paragraph, but those are the two questions. So the, I'll, I'll tackle the free thing. I mean, two sides of this coin. <clears throat> one, you see how much work Jason's putting in on organizing this stuff. And there's there's uh, dozens and dozens of committee members. So it's a, it's, it's a big effort, uh, mostly volunteer done by them to, to do this. Every standard if you go to nfpa.org slash 69 or 68, it's all free there. You just can't download the PDF and walk away with it and, and make a bunch of duplicates. You can view the document and, and leaf through yourself. So the information is available free. Just, you know, you can't just take the PDFs and print off a whole whack of binders of them. Um, so NFPA does have some protection there, uh, but it, it is free. All the, or at least Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, all the NFPA standards you can go and look at on your computer screen for free. I don't know, Jason, I, I mentioned to our team to let uh, Diane know to post in the Dust Safety Academy form this question about if there's a master list of all the standards. If there's not, post that in the form and we'll get busy putting a master list together. It might be at, it might be at cbtechnology.com slash NFPA. I don't know, Jason, is that there? <laughs> oh, man, I, I don't think so, but I bet okay. you there's somebody listening who's going to put it there soon. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, go. I mean, the, the master list thing's a little bit complex because some of these standards are and they get revised and updated and changed, right? So um, a, there is a great reference in the, again, I'm going to take you back to NFPA 652. There's a great reference list there in reference documents and that standard that will tell you 
all the different regulations, all the standards mentioned in that standard and you know, anything combustible dust is going to be mentioned there. The other part about the free part of it is you got to understand you know, FPA is a nonprofit organization, right? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, and they're also doing a, a number of research uh, and development projects at the same time to try to improve safety. Uh, some of those are combustible dust related. They published a great one on dust collectors earlier this year. Um, and so, yeah, you, you got you to gotta shell out a few bucks to get the standard. And, you know, they have since um, revamped that some on their website. Um, I know they have a new portal kind of where they're no longer doing PDF versions of the standard actually. And it's like a, it's like an interactive type of system where you can go in and view all the standards at once. And they offer different packages now where you can get access to all standards for a different price than having to buy them individually. And if you are an NFPA member, you can always view them, uh, right. For, for any of the standards for free as, as, as Chris mentioned, but you do have to be a member of NFPA. So I think you have to go log in and, and sign up for that. And I, I believe there's cost for that, uh, but it's it's a small one. So uh, there's a free, well, I think you can enter your email and access at least the, I don't know about all of them, but some of the combustible dust standards and maybe even. Yeah, you you might, you might be able to access some of them for free now. I'm not sure. It, it probably does matter sometimes if they're referenced in something else as well, but. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, we got time for one more question. So if there are any more questions to come in, uh, go to day two, uh, click on Jason's presentation at the bottom. There's a, there's a field there where you can leave any text-based questions. If you're watching this free play right now, instead of watching live, just scroll down and, and you can ask your questions. Uh, Virginia asked if there'll be any expanded details on, on housekeeping for combustible dust. And that's all the, the question has. And, and housekeeping is in, um, is in air quotes. <laughs> so I'll let you read into that, what it, what it means. So the question is, will there be any expanded details on housekeeping and how to well, I'll just leave it at that. Add housekeeping. I think. Yeah, I, I think there, there will be expanded details on housekeeping. I think you're going to see a lot of improvement in that section. I think if you went to uh, the NFPA standard now, you would find a section on housekeeping. You might find some additional sections under ignition source control that might really be housekeeping activities or, or reasons why you would want to do housekeeping or things to avoid when you're doing housekeeping. Um, so I think you're going to see some of that kind of merged together and streamlined and, uh, and an improvement on it. So absolutely. That will housekeeping is usually, uh, the first line of defense against some of these combustible dust incidents. So, uh, very important. It will definitely be this in the code. Perfect. Um, and we'll close off then from there. Michelle Murphy just jumped in and said that there is access to all NFPA standards through the free access function on their website. So I think I have that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Just, sign up, put in your email and then you can, you can watch, you can look at them free. It's a little painful to flip through <laughs> on your screen, a, a multi, um, a large document like that. But if you don't want the pain, then you can pay the, the 40 bucks or 60 bucks to, to get the standard maybe. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Thank you, Jason, again, for an excellent presentation. This is going to be something that's really affecting all of us, at least in the North America uh, side of the world, North America, part of the world, not North America side of the world, but I think you know what I meant. And I think this is really helpful information to see. And the biggest takeaway I want from the people that are watching this is that you can be involved in the process. When they do put it out publicly, please put your comments and your information into the community because you will help shape the development of this. If you didn't put comments in and you're mad at what comes out, um, you only really have yourself to blame. So make sure you get those comments in there. We will close up for now. We have a 15 minute break. Um, then we'll be back for session seven, explosion protection in recent findings, um, and we'll be starting with Tim Hennix, who'll be walking us through uh, practical considerations when planning and implementing dust exposure protection. 
So thank you, Jason. And um, thank you everyone else for tuning in. We'll see you back here in about 15 minutes. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that presentation by Jason Kerbeck. Again, that was NFPA 660, upcoming NFPA changes and what they mean for combustible dust safety. This was the keynote, opening keynote from the second day of the Dust Safety Conference. And to close out the, the last point there, you can get involved with the development of the standards process or the, the code process, I suppose, for NFPA 660. They will be putting calls out to the community for public feedback. And we'll be echoing those calls through Dust Safety Science and the Dust Safety Academy platforms as well. So through these last two episodes, we covered what if is NFPA 660, why is it needed, how is it being developed, and what does it mean for you as a person involved in industries handling combustible dust, as a service provider in the space or as equipment manufacturer. So again, I'd say get involved. You can help shape these standards. If you are interested in the material that we have at the Dust Safety Academy, including the 50 plus presentations from the Dust Safety Conference, you can go to dustsafetyacademy.com and learn more about how to get access to those training recordings, how to get access to the free and to the paid communities there as well. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead and I appreciate everything you're doing in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer every day.